Good morning. I want to thank uh, Arlene and Shiori for sharing about our missionaries. You know, it gives us a good picture um, of the fact that God's work is global. It's not just what happens here in our church, right, or here in Southern California, but God is global and at work all around the world. And uh, I think it's great that we have our screen and projector up and running, right? And, and we can see the pictures of the missionaries. Right? We can worship looking up, not down, um, and, and, and the backgrounds. Um, and so I, I do want to thank Andrew and the team, you know, all that helped to, to get this up and running. Um, and, and so we're very excited to, you know, to have this, this blessing from the Lord. Now, many of you already know this uh, about me, but toward the end of 2015, I quit my job at Union Bank. And I had been working in banking and consulting and investments uh, for about 27 years. But I quit because I wanted to open myself up to God's will for my life. And I didn't have anything lined up at the time. So when I quit, you could say I, I stepped out in faith or stupidity. <laughs> I guess it just, it just depends on your perspective. At the very end of that year then, in 2015, I went to uh, the Urbana Missions Conference. And some of you may know Urbana. This was in St. Louis. I went all alone from our church, and it was there that I had some of the most moving worship experiences of my life. About 15,000 people, mostly college students, were at the conference and they were there to explore God's call to missions for them. And it was there that God further deepened my call into ministry. Not necessarily missions, or not going overseas, I think I was too chicken for that, <laughs> right? but vocational, vocational ministry to serve the Lord with what I do. Now, it took a while for the doors of ministry to open up, but I can clearly remember God at work in my heart during the worship time, a time of real communion with the Lord, a time where I sensed his presence, and even my, my own heart changing in that moment. You know, it's probably good that I went by myself because I, was, I think I was free to worship. I was free to avail myself to God. And God moved. He moved on me. And I was wondering if you ever felt that way, where God moves on you, and you feel the Spirit moving on you. And I felt that. You know, this morning we're going to dive into something that we all may know a little something about. It's the topic of worship and praise. And we're all here, right, or watching this, for different reasons, but I hope mainly it's because we came to worship the Lord and we came to connect with God through scripture, through song, through prayer. Now we do this every week, right? We're here every Sunday. And I know some of you worship at home on your own during the week. Right? So this is a practice that we must understand. It reminds me of a particular pop-up ad <clears throat> that comes up when I'm 
at home watching YouTube on my computer. Right? You ever get those annoying pop-up ads and they just show up? You just want to watch some video and then these commercials and ads come up. Anyways, this distinguished-looking guy shows up on the screen and he says, one of the great challenges in life is knowing enough to think you're right, but not enough to know you're wrong. Right? I don't even know what the ad is for, but it makes me think of how we all know something about what it means to worship, but we still have so much more to learn. In many ways, worship is one of the most misunderstood topics in Scripture, although it seems to us pretty simple at times. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. And if you don't have your Bible, there should be one under your seat. And yes, I think it'll be on the screen above. Um, in fact, if you're able, would you please stand and let's read God's word together. Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Let's pray. Father God, as we open up your word this morning, Lord, we pray that you would use it to speak to us. Use me as a vessel, Lord, but more than that, open our hearts, Lord, to your Holy Spirit to move on us, Lord, and for us not to shut him down, but to just allow him to move and to work in our hearts and minds this morning. We pray that you would teach us and you would guide us and you would bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, the book of Hebrews is an interesting book because neither the author nor the audience are clearly identified. That's right, we don't know for sure who wrote the book, to whom it was written, and when. But in reading it, we can tell that it was written. It was written by a preacher or a pastor to a group of believers encouraging them to keep their faith in Christ. Right, to remain steadfast. How appropriate this message is for us. Right, in this day and age, where people come and go in their faith, like it's a changing fad, where people stop coming to church simply because it's inconvenient, right? like I'm busy on Sundays, or we stop following Jesus because the culture tells us something different. The author of Hebrews then, he zeroes in and he focuses and he seeks to re-emphasize the praiseworthiness of God and his salvation. Right? And it's founded on the work of Christ on the cross. Right now, Easter was last month. Um, we had this cross up. We have it up for Easter. I love that it's up here. I don't know if we'll keep it up the whole year, but I'd like to keep it up for a long time. I think it it represents, it always, as a symbol, it helps me identify right, with the, the blood sacrifice and the, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Worship and access to God are major themes here in Hebrews. 
So the passage starts, verse 15, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. First off, and maybe most importantly, the only way, the only way you and I can approach a holy God is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? See, a big part of what Hebrews is about is the change from the Old Testament law, okay, the Old Testament law involving the role, the role of the priest and the, sac- the sacrifices to a new covenant, a new covenant in which sacrifice and priesthood are brought together by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So there's a change, a transition that goes on from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And the Hebrews and Hebrews is in the New Testament. So he's talking about the new covenant. If you go back in the in that chapter, chapter 13 to verse 11, it says the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. But the bodies of the animals are burned outside the camp. He's referring to the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16 when the high priest, by himself, enters the Holy of Holies, the innermost part of the sanctuary where God is believed to dwell. Then on behalf of the people, he offered the blood of the animal for the forgiveness of sins. And this is a ritual that had to be done year after year after year. But because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, all of that is no longer needed. We now live under a new covenant with God. Verse 12 says, So Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. No longer is a priest needed to mediate as a go-between between us and God. In Jesus, we have standing, we have access to God. No longer are animal sacrifices required, right? We, we know that. Hopefully you don't practice that. Right? Animal sacrifices are no longer required for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. As our high priest, then, Jesus opens the way for us to draw near with confidence to the Holy of Holies, to come into the innermost part of the sanctuary and commune with God himself. We are invited to a heart-to-heart relationship with the eternal God. You know, as, as people, we often struggle with who we are, right? our identity, our self-worth, because we look around the world Right? And it's all based on standing, prestige, who you know, pecking order, at work, at school, even with our friends and colleagues. Well, through Jesus' blood, we have been made holy and given access to God himself. Talk about standing. Talk about cachet. We can commune with the Creator, So when we worship, we come into God's presence in and through Christ. 
You see, worship is not coming to church to sing a few songs so that we feel good. Oh, that makes me feel better. It's not checking a box once a week to justify ourselves. You know, I went to church. I'm all right. Right? That may feel therapeutic or it may ease your conscience, but that's not worship. Worship is coming into the presence of God through the work of his son and praising him for who he is and what he's done. I think it's interesting how the, how the author of Hebrews says, let us continually, continually offer a sacrifice of praise. You know, there's an ongoing component to worship. In the Old Testament, you know, the law prescribed all sorts of ceremonial offerings and sacrifices, right? This is in the first seven chapters of Leviticus. We read about them, and right, our, our brains go numb. It's like, man, this is tedious. But each of them was a form of worship. One in particular, I want to point out, one in particular, the burnt offering. Remember that, the burnt offering was unique because it was completely consumed. See, portions of other sacrifices were shared or eaten by the priests or by the people who offered the sacrifice. But the burnt offering was offered completely to God. And it was always first on the list. The burnt offering is a picture of worship. Worship is not just something we do from time to time. It's something we live daily. Praise and worship to God should be the tenor of our lives. So what we experience on Sundays when we come together and we see one another and we join in the sanctuary and we offer our praises to God is simply the overflow expression of who we are during the week. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, what? As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. As Christians, we are living sacrifices to be consumed by God as an offering to him. But how often do you and I try to crawl off that altar? You know, we talked here before, up front at the, in the pulpit, about how we worship, how we all worship something. Right? Everyone bends the knee to something. If not God, then we may worship at the altar of money, of our identity, right? This is me. Comfort, pleasure, but even social and political agendas. Even as, as believers, right, we find ourselves bowing to these things. And knowing that, we must constantly be submitting ourselves to God as living sacrifices. It's an ongoing thing. Jesus, Jesus says in Luke 4, 8, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Hebrews 13, 15, okay, back to the verse that we're stuck on. It says, let us offer a sacrifice of praise. 
the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. This is what we do, isn't it, when we sing praises to the Lord. We, one, we proclaim God's attributes. Two, we declare his graciousness towards us. And three, we submit to God's will for our lives. This is what we're to be doing when we, when we worship. Romans 14.11 says that at the judgment, and I know we don't like to talk sometimes about the judgment or think what will happen at the judgment time. At the judgment, Romans 14.11 says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall give praise to God. Beloved, there will, be a, there will come a time when the choice will not be ours to give God the glory due his name. To let us do so willingly while we have the option. Verse 16 goes on to say, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. A recurring fact in God's word is this. Worship should lead to action. What we do here should make a difference in what we do when we leave here. This is why praise and generosity, see in Hebrews 13, 15, this is why praise and generosity are joined together here in these verses. Jesus the, combines the two himself when he says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Honestly, isn't this what the church is most often criticized for? Isn't this where we lose our testimony with the world? We say we love and worship God, but then we cultivate in our hearts feelings of bitterness and resentment toward our neighbor. Which I'll have you know, our neighbor isn't the person sitting next to you in church. Our neighbor is the person who comes to us in need. Our neighbor is the person down the street who thinks differently than us. Our neighbor is the person who has all the wrong signs posted in his lawn. Right? Or has the wrong bumper stickers on their car. Believe it or not, that's our neighbor. If you're a Trojan, then it's a Bruin. <laughs> and vice versa. If you're a Dodger fan, it's a Giants fan. Right? Those are our neighbors, believe it or not. True worship, true worship should lead to change. That's what scripture says. You know, sometimes I think we wonder, how did that person take the next step in their faith? Right? How did they grow? How did they change? How did they experience transformation in their lives? How did they become a leader in the church? How did this guy become a pastor? Now, there are often a bunch of factors, but in part, I think it's because they came into contact with the eternal God through worship. 
through worship. That in time of communion, personal or corporate, they got a glimpse of who God really is. They opened themselves up to the Lord and the Spirit moved on them. That's what happened to me at Urbana. Avail myself to the Lord, give myself to worship, try to listen for the Lord, and he moves. He moved on my heart and mind. And I think some of you have experienced that. Some of you know that feeling in worship, where God moves on you. Worship changes our hearts and moves us to action. And the author of Hebrews is saying, while you offer your praises to the Lord, do not forget to do good and share with others. Worship is personal. We have already established that it can only be done through faith in Christ, right? We need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I know many of you treasure your personal times of worship at home, whether that be in your car or in your home or in your garden. And I want to encourage you to keep doing it, to keep worshiping. But having said that, you and I, you and I are meant to worship together. We're meant to come together to worship. Corporate worship is not just coming together to worship individually. It is coming together individually to worship as one body in Christ. See, when our eyes, when our eyes and our hearts are where they should rightfully be on God and not on ourselves, not on the world, not on each other, worship results in a unity unlike anything this world has to offer. I think there's a bond, there's a union that's formed when the people of God offer a sacrifice of praise to a holy God. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Worship, worship triggers, you know, so many things in our lives. It brings us together. It stirs us to action. It forms and shapes our hearts. Do you know why that is? Why worship has this effect on us? Because it's what we were created to do. It's what we were made to do. From the beginning of time to the end, creation has been, has been made to worship the living God. As one pastor said, it is the theme of scripture, it is the theme of redemptive history, and it is the theme of eternity. That creation worship the one true living God. As you can imagine, I've gotten really pumped up about worship this week, right? It's such a rich topic, and we've only scratched the surface. But as we close today, 
Let me just say that I understand worship and praise, they flow more easily when things are going well. It's more natural when we feel safe, when we feel blessed, when we feel at peace. And I know that's not the case all the time. In the past weeks, in the past months, we've seen some terrible tragedies in our country, in churches, in our world. And I know that life is extremely difficult for some of you. I know that. So when I talk about worship, not trying to like detra- uh, detach from reality. Right? The pain and the struggle are real. But let me just offer this. Scripture says that God sees you. He knows you. His heart is not divided toward you. He is fully for you. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Describing this blessing that we have in Christ, this presence of God in our lives, Pastor John Piper writes this, and this is the blessing we have in Christ. He says, every sinner, and I will change this to say every person, every person who comes to God in Christ with all his needs, finds God coming to him in Christ with all his promises. When a person meets the holy God in Christ, what he hears is, yes. God, do you love me? Yes. Will you forgive me? Yes. Will you accept me? Yes. Will you help me change? Yes. Will you give me power to serve you? Yes. Will you keep hold of me? Yes. Will you show me your glory? Yes. All the promises of God, all the blessings of God in the heavenly realms are yes in Christ Jesus. Jesus is God's decisive yes to all who believe. Like the Hebrews, I want to encourage you to keep your faith in Christ, to remain steadfast, and let us come before the Lord with a sacrifice of praise and generosity for which, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. I like to call the worship team up. And as the worship team comes up, we're going to sing two closing songs today to close the service. Let this first one be God's be your response. Right? Your response to the Lord. Right? Try to just turn your the eyes of your heart to the Lord and sing to him or pray to him. Right? Let this be your call to worship and to praise the Lord. And after the first song, after the first song, I'll call the prayer counselors forward. Okay?
You know, in Hebrew, in the, in the language Hebrew, there are a number of words that are used for worship. See, our English language, right, is so simple in so many ways. But the Hebrew language has seven, eight, nine or more words to try to describe worship to the Lord. One of them is Tuda. Tuda, T-O-W-D-A-H. Tuda is an extension of the hand to the Lord. It's a sacrifice of praise. It's thanksgiving to God for the things received. But not only that, it's thanksgiving for the things not yet received. The things that he has yet to do in our lives. This is Tuda. Let us worship him together.